Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, we're going to continue in the sermon series on the Gospel of John. And this morning we are looking at John chapter 4 and verses 43 through 54. John chapter 4 and verses 43 through 54 will be our text for this morning. And let me read this passage for you. It says, After the two days he, Jesus, departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the eleventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Now, if you've been with us for this series, you know that we have been working through chapter 4. And in verses 1 through 42, we looked at that famous account of the woman at the well. And we looked at it in three different sermons. But now there is a transition. Now Jesus and his disciples are moving on from that scene and moving to another. And so our first point this morning is signs and wonders. In verse 3 of John chapter 4, it says, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So as chapter 4 opens, Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. That's the flow, that's the context. Now, if you were a good Jew, living in the first century, you would do everything you could to avoid Samaria. So when you traveled from Judea to Galilee, Samaria was in the middle, you would do everything you could to go around Samaria, no matter how much longer it took you to travel because the Jews despised the Samaritans. But in John chapter 4, in verse 4, it says, and he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus deliberately goes right through Samaria. He doesn't go around it, because he had a divine appointment there, a divine appointment with a woman who had a very troubled past, a woman who came to know him as Savior, a woman who spread the word to the people in Sychar of Samaria, and they, many of them came to believe. And as we ended last week, I shared with you that there was a revival in that town. 
because of the testimony of the woman and because Jesus had spent two days teaching there. Well, Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well and the time he spent in Sychar of Samaria is known as a biblical interlude. So, he is going from Judea to Galilee. He is going from one ministry over here to another ministry. But in between, there is this important scene where he meets a woman at Jacob's well that leads to many coming to know Christ as Savior. And as I mentioned, and as we ended last week, we saw that he spent two whole days there. Two whole days speaking with the Samaritans about who he is and sharing the gospel with them. And that brings us to verse 43 in our text for this morning. In verse 43, it says, After the two days he departed for Galilee. Notice, after the two days. After the two days he spent in Samaria, he continued on the trip he was on from Judea to Galilee. Then in verse 44, it says, For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Jesus grew up in Galilee. He grew up in Nazareth of Galilee. And when he had been there before and had ministered, they were skeptical. They were unbelieving. And Jesus had said that a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. And he reminds us, or... The Apostle John in his writing reminds us of that in verse 44. But then in verse 45, it says something interesting. It says, so when he came to Galilee, the the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So in verse 44, it says that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. But in verse 45, it says the Galileans welcomed him. That seems like a contradiction between verse 44 and verse 45. And I say that to you this morning because for many years, for centuries now, the critics of the Bible have pointed to this paragraph as one of the apparent contradictions in the Bible that it says that a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. Jesus is going back to his own area. And yet it says the Galileans welcomed him. Well, I think if we look closely at the entire context, we realize there is no contradiction here at all, obviously. When it says that they welcomed him, they welcomed him in a way that we wouldn't normally think of. They aren't welcoming him as Messiah. They aren't welcoming him as Savior. They are welcoming him as a miracle worker. They want Jesus to do some signs and wonders. Even though they had been skeptical, even though they had been unbelieving, they would like to see him do some signs and wonders. They would like to see him do some miracles. And hold on to that, because that's going to be important when we come to verse 48. Now, In Cana of Galilee, Jesus is approached by a desperate man, a man whose son was at the point of death. In verse 46, it says, So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. So this man, who comes from Capernaum to Cana in Galilee is the central figure in this particular passage. 
He was from Capernaum, and he was an official. The word official there is important. It means that he was a government official, a royal official. We don't know this for sure, but most likely he was part of the government of Herod Antipas, who was ruling at this time on behalf of the Romans. And we do know that his son was ill. Now, to give you just a little bit of context and geography here, about 10 miles north of Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, was Cana. And about 15 miles east of Cana was Capernaum. So this man hears about Jesus, and he travels 15 miles, which was a long way at that time, especially if you happen to be walking. He travels 15 miles so that he can see Jesus and make a request of him. And it says in verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So when he heard this, he makes the trip from Capernaum to Cana in Galilee, and he asked Jesus to come to Capernaum and heal his son. Now, this son is at the point of death. This is a desperate man. If you have a child, if you have a grandchild, you understand. If your child, your grandchild is at the point of death, you will do anything. You will do whatever it takes to try to save them, to try to rescue them, to try to help them. And that is what this man is doing. Jesus gives him an unusual response. In verse 48, it says, So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus rebukes him. He comes in desperation because he wants his son to be healed, and Jesus rebukes him. And I believe that Jesus wasn't just rebuking him. I believe that he was rebuking that whole region. That whole area, that unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You see, they wanted something from Jesus, but they didn't want to really believe in Jesus. And when this man initially comes, he hasn't necessarily come to believe in Jesus. He just wants Jesus to do something for him. Now, This is an important point in the text. It's almost if we need to stop. It's almost as if we take the remote and put the scene on pause. This man is desperate, and he comes from Capernaum to Cana in Galilee to beg Jesus to heal his son. And apparently because of Jesus' rebuke, He comes just because he wants something from Jesus. Hasn't come to believe in him. Hasn't come to embrace him as Savior. And that's where the scene is at. But I want you to know this morning that something changes. Something dramatic happens in this passage. And that is our second point this morning. And the title of this sermon, Go, Your Son will live. Undeterred by Jesus' rebuke, the man continues to beg Jesus to come 
to his son. So Jesus rebukes him, and look what he says in verse 49. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies, and you can sense his deep desperation. Sir, please, please come to Capernaum before my child dies. And then there is verse 50. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Now it's so interesting. This is the pivotal verse in the whole text, verse 50. It reminds us that Jesus can do and heal however he wants to. So interesting here. If you remember, there is a similar scene in the Gospels. There was a man named Jairus. And he has a 12-year-old daughter who is dying. And he comes to Jesus and begs him to come and heal his daughter. And Jesus goes with him. And on the way, his daughter dies. Jesus goes into her room and raises her from the dead. So he goes with Jairus, goes to the house, goes into the room, and heals the daughter. But here, he doesn't go with the man. He just says, go, your son will live. Now, I wish I could have been there in that scene and to see how Jesus said those words, to hear the tone of his voice. I believe that Jesus was looking into the eyes of this man and he says to him, go. Your son will live. And something happens to the man. Something happens at this point in the scene. It says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He doesn't grab Jesus by the arm and says, Come on, you don't understand what I'm telling you. I need you to come to Capernaum. I need you to come to my house. I need you to touch my son, and I need you to heal him. He doesn't say that. It appears that a calm has come over this man. And the man believed. He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and now went on his way. John Piper says this. He says, I'm inclined to think that in that moment of seeing Jesus speak so sovereignly in spite of his accusations, something awakened in the man. He saw something more than a miracle worker. And I think he's exactly right. I think that this man's soul was awakened at this moment. Folks, this is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit opening his spiritual eyes, and his spiritual heart. And I believe at this moment, this man begins to believe. He believes in Jesus. There was something in the way that Jesus looked at him. There was something in the way that Jesus said those words that caused his soul to become alive. And he believes. Watch what happens in verses 51 through 53. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. 
So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. As he was going down, his servants met him. You've got to believe that they ran out to meet him. He makes the 15-mile trip back. They see him coming and they run out to meet him and they told him that his son was recovering. The fever had left him. And notice, the man doesn't say, Praise God! Hallelujah! My son is healed! That's fantastic! No, I'm sure that's what he felt. That's not what he says at all. In verse 52, he says, When? When did he get better? And they said, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, which would have been one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the father knew. The father knew that was the exact time that Jesus had said, your son will live. He knew. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior who has come into the world. And he himself believed. And all his household. Household here refers to his entire extended family. They believe. The man was now just like the Samaritans that we learned about last week. They believed in Jesus. And a revival breaks out among the Samaritans because they believed in Jesus because of who he is. And here we have a mini-revival, a revival in Sychar of Samaria, a mini-revival in this man's household. It was no longer just, what can you do for me? But who are you? You are the long-awaited Savior of the world. And in verse 54, it says, This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So the first time he was in Cana, he turns the water into wine, showing that he has complete power over the physical world. The second time he's in Cana, he just speaks. He just speaks. And this boy 15 miles away is immediately healed. With the first sign, the disciples believe. With the second sign, this man and his entire household believe. Well, there are two major lessons that we need to learn from this account. I'm sure there are more than two lessons. But two major things that I would like you to walk away with this morning. First major lesson. Jesus has the power to do whatever he wants, however he wants. In his perfectness, in his holiness, in his power, he can do whatever he wants, however he wants. He is sovereign over all things. If he wants to go to Jairus' house and heal his daughter, he will do that. If he just wants to say, go, your son will live, he has the power to do that. And notice in this text, distance, 
means nothing to Jesus. That boy was 15 miles away. He could have been 15,000 miles away and it still wouldn't have mattered. Jesus speaks the word and the boy is healed. When Jesus speaks, he can do anything in the universe that he chooses to do. Jesus has the power to do whatever he wants, however he wants. Second major lesson. We need to come to Jesus in desperation with the deepest needs of our lives. That's what this man did. We need to come to him in desperation with the deepest needs of our lives. Whatever your struggle may be, come and beg him. Beg Jesus for healing and restoration. Every person here this morning, every person watching me online this morning, you are struggling with something. Every single one of us is struggling with something this morning. It may be physical, it may be emotional. It may be financial. It may be relational, your relationship with somebody else. But we all are struggling. And you may not know how to pray. And your motives may not be perfect. His motives weren't perfect. When he first came, his motives weren't perfect. But I encourage you this morning, pray anyway. Pray anyway. Come to Jesus in desperation and beg him for healing and restoration. You may say, well, my, my need seems, seems trivial compared to other people's needs. Come anyway. You may say, I, I just don't really know if God's really concerned about this area of my life. Come anyway. You may say, man, this has been going on for so long in my life and I haven't seen any change. Come anyway. Come anyway, just like this man did. He traveled 15 miles just to come up to Jesus and beg him to heal his son. But if you are willing to come, if you are willing to beg him in desperation for healing and restoration, if you are willing to beg him, I will guarantee you he will answer you. I'm going to guarantee you this morning he will answer you. His answer may be yes, like it was for this man. His answer may be no. In his wisdom, he may know that he has something different for you, something better for you. His answer may be wait, but he will answer you. He will hear you, and he does care for you. But when you come, but when you come, don't just come to get something from him. Come because you believe in him. Because you believe that everything the Bible says about him is completely and absolutely true. We're going to close in just a few minutes with the song, Boldly, I Approach Your Throne. And that's what I encourage you to do, is to boldly Approach the throne of God with whatever your need may be. He cares for you 
and he will hear you. Let us thank God that we can come to him anytime, anywhere, with any need we may have. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are so approachable, that you love us so deeply. Lord, I pray for all of us and the struggles we are enduring right now. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us with childlike faith, with godly, holy desperation to come to Jesus and to beg him to move in our lives, to work in our lives, to touch us in those places where we hurt the most. Thank you. Thank you that you command us to come boldly to the throne of grace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.